Welcome to Tea Smack, home of the Tea Smack. May I take your order? Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I'm your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week is the one, the only, the bearded Matt. Matt, welcome back. Yeah, glad to be here. How are you doing? I, I choked on some spit about like 30 minutes ago, so my throat is still really tight. Okay. Uh, I'm hoping to loosen that up here while we talk to uh, one of my favorite people, not just you. Most of the time, before another... you get into that, most of the time people just say, I'm doing good. Well, I mean, I have to explain my throat and everything okay. and like how right. I sound. I might sound really different on, I feel like I'm doing all right right now, well, good, but good. you never know. And, you know, yeah. So let's, we're, we are joined by a third here. Um, one of my favorite people, uh, you know him from the Voluntary Input podcast, as well as we talk about him every week because he's the man who helped create our theme music. We are joined by the beautiful Leo Allen. Leo, welcome to the show beautiful oh, oh yeah look, right. look at that beautiful face look at that beautiful face that no one else can see but us i'll tell you what's funny the choking on the spit you know how when you go to work or we talk about this all the time when people say hey how you're doing how are you doing and people always get that generic answer of yeah i'm fine yeah right but no one ever wants to hear how you're really doing exactly. now i'm gonna say you know i was choking on some spit <laughs> But now I'm fine. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. <laughs> then everyone's going to be like, I'm never asking you yeah. that question. Yeah, again. good way to get never out. Again. We'll stop asking. How do you choke on spit? I, I wish I knew. But it happens like at least twice a week for me. Wow. This is the whole episode now. You know, usually stuff like that, people say, you need more fiber in your life or something, but I don't know what you, what do you do for that? I don't know. Yeah, let's, let's, just let's get some like cotton swabs in there. Just dry out my mouth. I don't know. Let's do a, um, a dietary breakdown. Try and figure this out instead of what we were going to talk about. Matt, we've known each other for 20 years. You know, my diet, it's chicken nuggets, pizza, hamburgers, and pizza hut breadsticks. Man, you are married oh, with several kids that cannot still be what you're eating. <laughs> No, I, I've branched out. We have like homemade burgers now. It's not just Culver's burgers. And we are in our <laughs> late thirties. You got to start my late better. <laughs> you mean the Culver's peanut butter and jelly burger? I have oh, not you heard, heard of that. I can't, I, I can't have it because I'm allergic <laughs> to peanuts. So, oh, okay, okay. That's that's Josh's burger when he's finally ready to. When it's all said and done, yeah, he's like, you know what? <laughs> Give me the peanut butter and jelly burger. Yep. It's time for I'm me out. to. I'm ready to go. So we're putting the dog down, so we're going to give him a chocolate cake kind of ending yeah. there. <laughs> I'd rather just have the chocolate cake if I'm honest. <laughs> oh man, I hope you're eating better than that these days. Yes, I am. Ricky's making sure that I'm eating better, but it, I I still have my go tos because I'm I'm it. a child. I get it. Oh, I'm a child every Friday. I mean, we just had pizza and wings and uh, I had a sub. Yeah, it's every Friday with me and my, right. me and the kids. So, <laughs> I was hey. just in Phoenix with some people that I uh, travel the country with for my job. And uh, we ended up eating at the Arizona Diamondbacks baseball stadium. They have a restaurant in the, the upper decks. And it, it's like a really, it, this is going to sound really weird and hit uh, 
oxymoronical or contradictory, but it's like a high-end Applebee's, like really good quality <laughs> food, but it serves similar stuff to what Applebee's would have on their menu. And uh, we ended up eating there twice. And um, one of the guys that's with us that goes around, he he's Mr. Variety. Like if we go to an American place, he needs to go to a sushi place, uh, an Indian place, a Mexican place somewhere at the next day. Like he, he wants to have a variety and I'm that I'm, guy, by the way, Yeah, <laughs> I'm fine with that. But I, I also, if I'm, if I'm just like out and about, I just want to get something that I know I will eat. And so like being adventurous like that, that's not me. And he was just really upset that we ended up eating at the same place two days in a row. Let's get him on the show and talk about it. Let's get him on the show and talk yeah. about it. <laughs> and not to segue that conversation, is that a is that a thing that's going on with baseball stadiums lately? Because I'm in Cincinnati and they keep talking about on uh, on our news, the Reds have hired a new chef and they keep highlighting all these new meals that are available at the at the at the uh, ballpark. Is that like a new thing in MLB? Like everybody's getting chefs and new menus or? Well, I know the Brewers had a TGI Fridays in their outfield for a long time. I don't know if they still do. In the outfield. In the outfield, yeah. <laughs> wow. And uh, it's like right under the slide where Bernie slides around. Um, well, and I the, think that's the misunderstanding because I know you can't just go get the chef's meals. Yeah, right. Just yeah. by walk, standing up in line. You have to be in the box at least. So mm -hmm. Yeah, that's. Well, oh, like, yeah. Oh, the boxes. Yeah, yeah I'm sure there's. The Cubs the have White like Sox. an entire neighborhood outside there, <laughs> outside of their stadium where it's like the whole, like, you know, you want a fancy restaurant, you're going out of the park as opposed yeah. to putting something right. in. Wrigleyville is, yeah, they're, they're industrializing the, the heck out of that, which uh, we're going to talk about industrialization, but not in baseball, rather in movies, but we're for that. But first we're going to hear from our friends over at the doom generation. So if you're still with us after that riveting conversation, we will be right back. Who, who would, who wouldn't be. And I love <laughs> the doom, doom generation, by the way. Oh yeah. Tessa. <laughs> hey, you want to get doomed? I'm Tessa and I'm Nicole. And we have a spanking new podcast for your ear holes called doom generation. Listen in as two foul mouth biddies have an always casual, often comedic. What? I think we're funny. And sometimes chaotic conversation about the things that doomed us to be who we are today. Take a trip with us down nostalgia lane and we'll try not to veer off the road. Available on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at doom generation pod and on Twitter at doom gen pod. Later, Later doomers. Now, Leo, did you make their background music as well, or is that just generated that they found? Because that that rips in the background that, there too. That wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they got they got a whole they got a whole new thing going on out there in California. But those girls, those are my sisters from another Mista. I love <laughs> Doom Generation. <laughs> they're, they're I'm just going to put that out there in the ether. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're a whole mess of fun. I I love their uh, they they have a great viral campaign with all their episodes and. Uh, I need to, I think we need to reach out to them be, and talk about their promo because are they still new? I no. was thinking about that as we were listening to it. They haven't really <laughs> been anymore. new for a while. You're always new yeah. to somebody. And it's true. That's, That's fair. true. Yeah. And but it's yeah. funny. They say some things where I just want to call in and scream at them sometimes. <laughs> man, but, but on the, in, you know, in the long run, I love them. They, they have a great show. Oh, yeah. Love yeah, that show. It's a whole lot of fun. They, they deserve everything they get from from the success of that show. Uh, they just hit like 20,000 listens, I think, or 20,000 wow. downloads, yeah. which I don't, I don't think they've really been running for a full year yet or maybe just over a year. 
I think that um, yeah, they're on year two. Yeah, uh, the, and they're, they're high still... as a mother. Okay, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're we're getting sidetracked here. We yep. are here to talk about uh, franchise fatigue, which uh, just to to talk about the the franchise in the room. I understand that we are in the middle of a, a big franchise sandwich as this episode comes out. We will have covered Star Wars Celebration, Mandalorian Season 3, Power Rangers, Guardians of the Galaxy. And then next week, maybe we're going to be talking about Fast 10, The Little Mermaid after that, and Spider-Verse 2. So like, I understand that there's potential for people being like, what a bunch of hypocrites. That's not really what we're trying to do here today. We're, we're just going to have a conversation about certain things, especially a, a fun little tick that I know about Leo. But there, there is something going on yep. in Hollywood. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, at the time that we're recording this, which is, you know, mid-April to pin us, uh, it's just a conversation that's happening and it's worth discussing, right? Where Whether yeah, we agree with it or not, it's going around. We just had Star Wars Celebration and we're getting more Star Wars and they're talking about more movies, which is a pitfall that they had earlier, which is something I do want to talk about as we get into this. And I also recognize the irony that I am wearing a Star Wars shirt today. Nobody knows uh, not that. that anyone else. Nobody knew that. I'm going to hurt some. And by the way, I'm going to hurt some feelings tonight about Star Wars. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there because I'm going to hurt. They some might feelings. be mine. Well, I'm going to make some enemies and I'm going to hurt some feelings. It might be. I think I mentioned that. <laughs> you mentioned that fast for franchise that is a quintessential modern example of how i feel about franchise oh, yes. fatigue <laughs> that's, so. that's one that i'm definitely like this can go away now oh um, it's gosh. it's mindless fun but it's mindless fun is it I don't is it fun anymore <laughs> it can fun? be if you <laughs> if you see it with the right people in the right frame of mind maybe no. or yeah. <laughs> we might as well just dive right in we'll start yeah. with that you want to start with that sure well let's let's start with the fact uh that you ha you have this interesting few uh interest I, I don't even know how to phrase it now a philosophy. I'm, I'm losing my frame of uh, yes a philosophy you have this great philosophy of sequels in in hollywood so please enlighten enlighten us on this my philosophy for many many years many many years for for decades has always been a good story only needs to be told once and you start making sequels you're repeating the same story over and over again and you're trying to quote unquote make it better then apparently you didn't have a good story to begin with hmm. but the bottom line is a good story only needs to be told once and what's wrong with a cliffhanger what's wrong with you know i feel like society got away from I used to love this when someone tells a really, really good story and then they kind of end it without an ending. And you're like, wow. And you're just left to your imagination. It's like nothing is left to the imagination anymore because everyone piles sequels on top of everything to explain everything away. And then when they do that, all it does is cheapen the story and it becomes a cash grab. That's that's an interesting um, perspective, if only because we were just talking about Star Wars, right? And I think, and I think when we're, I think we're going to end up talking about stuff a lot in the, like the modern, like what's happening right now. But like Star Wars is a great example of this kind of thing that they've been doing forever, like well before Disney, for years, right? Where like so much of the stuff that is built up around star Wars is about filling in every possible 
narrative gap, right? We're like, first it was the novels then it was the prequels and then it's the cartoons and then whatever else for better or worse. It's like, you know, there's a time in the star Wars novels where it's like, everyone's got a story and that story needs to be told. And also, by the way, they're all super important. And they all hung out with Han Solo, <laughs> you know? Well, here's, here's the, uh, <clears throat> the interesting advantage, if you will, that star Wars has star Wars was written from an, infinite universe perspective you know it, it infinite uh, uh, the galaxy in and of itself is almost infinite and then you 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 know add to that well there's other beings from out other galaxies that also visited and worked alongside of this galaxy far far away a long long time ago so the possibilities are almost limited so in that case i can give that franchise a pass but when you come to things like the Fast and the Furious, <laughs> you only have so much to work with. Right. Yep. Now you're just, you're just being ridiculous. You know, it gets to the point where, first of all, none of those cars do any of those things that you have them doing. <laughs> well, they're basically superhero movies now, right? <laughs> yeah. But and it, oh, yeah. it becomes so, it's just cheap. And and for the record, I really enjoyed the first Fast Fast and Furious movie, and that's always my uh, you know this this has always been my basis of my somewhat hatred, or um, I don't want to say hatred because dislike. I don't hate every yeah just a strong dislike of sequels and franchise uh, franchise stretching, if I could speak, <laughs> you know the Fast and Furious is a perfect example of it. The first one was great. It ended great. Leave it alone. <laughs> why do you, why, how many are there now? There's 10, uh, 11, maybe? 10. And then there's like at least one, one or two spinoffs. If you want to count that, that are like fast and furious. presents This movie. <laughs> why? What else is there to say? You know, James, that's my James point. Bond and the Marvel Marvel is modernly mostly to blame. Uh, but like James Bond is one of those where I, I do feel like it can kind of, get away with what you're talking about where it's like one story is all you need to tell with this person where James Bond is not until the Daniel Craig movies. And even then it's not entirely true where James Bond is kind of just this blank shell of a character going through the motions that you can it kind of just put yourself into their shoes and be like, yeah, do James people Bond is really so cool. remember the history of James Bond there and the old books. People. Yeah. And, and it was meant to be that. And it was meant to be kind of this over the top spy thing. So again, I can kind of give that a pass. You know, you know, when I was a kid, I, I'm from the Roger Moore era, which most people don't like, but I liked Roger Moore as James Bond. I know I like Sean Connery too, but I grew up, the movies I saw when they were new were the Roger Moore James Bond movies, if you will. Mm -hmm. And even as a kid, I thought, Wow, this is so over the top ridiculous, but it's interesting at least. Yeah. And I knew it was based on some books that some, you know, people were writing. It started off as one original author, but it was intended to be built upon. Mm -hmm. So, right. mm -hmm. hey, I, I, I get that. So I, I can give that a pass. And even with Star Wars, it, like I said, it was it was written as an infinite universe. Yeah. So and I think that's just, fine. I think what I was getting <laughs> at, just, just uh, to clarify what myself 
you're absolutely right. And that's one of the things I love about Star Wars, right? But I think a lot of times it sort of leans toward in practice, you see writers who are like, oh, I have a question about that. Let me explain that, even though it's something that doesn't need to be explained, right? Where like a recent example is Rogue One, which I think is a movie I really like, but is a movie that is like at least partially concerned with explaining the port on the Death Star, right? Which is not a thing that needs explanation whatsoever. So it's like, there's this huge, vast galaxy, this perfect setting to tell all kinds of stories that don't have anything to do with Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, whatever. And this story that we're telling, you decided this was a plot hole that needed to be filled and you're pouring the, the, the whatever into it. (laughs) Well, I have to say, I loved Rogue One. Yes. Because I believed it was, I believe it was the perfect uh, story that needed to be told because we all knew the rebels, the rebels, the rebels, you know, the empire, the empire, the empire. But how did that all start? Sure. That was Rogue One for me. And not to go off on a huge tangent, but uh, I I love Rogue One. I I do think of the modern Star Wars movies, like that's the best one. That movie rules, Um, to be clear. There's like just that one piece that I'm criticizing. Yeah. Yeah, but we we, home. (laughs) I've said the same thing ever since it came out. This is the best one of the new ones. Yeah, we we don't we didn't need them to explain away the the exhaust port that led to the reactor core. Like that could you could literally. I think that was for people who may not have been familiar. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Going on. Yeah, Yeah. but I, I think you could have easily just said it's hubris. Like we have we have studied this thing after. Jen or so and Cassian Andor have sacrificed themselves to get it to us. We have studied this and we have found that this is a flaw in their their design, something they didn't catch because whatever. And they even go out of their way to say that with her dad, with Jen's dad, where he's like, it's a minuscule design flaw that I've created, like intentionally. Uh, Like you don't need that really. You can just say the hubris of the the empire i'd like that touch that he did it on purpose though (laughs) i did like that i like that touch that he did it on purpose i think that just his own little act of rebellion but i do think that's a great example of like you know that's that's not a story that i think it, it kind of falls into what i was talking about but it's a story that is like not it's not something that i don't know what i'm getting at it's a story that that feels like um it was not begging to be told. It's not like it's not like they wrote Star Wars and everyone was like, how'd they get the plans? But it's a movie where like someone realizes, oh, there is an interesting story to tell there. So let's tell it. And then I think to expand that, you see that a little bit with recently Andor. I, I, Matt, I think you're talking about Han Solo. <laughs> I think that's the movie you're yes. talking yeah. about. Right? You, you weren't <laughs> concerned about how he got his blaster and his blaster holster and his jacket. I, I think he, Han Solo is actually the Chewbacca. perfect example of what I'm talking about because that's a movie where, like, yeah. the second they announce it, the second they say we're gonna do a young Han Solo movie, you can just knowing how just knowing how Star Wars works, knowing how big franchises worked in what when did it come out? 2018, 2019, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I could I could have said, okay, I know we're gonna see this, 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 and then I saw the movie, and like nine of those, not nine out of ten of those were on point. So then, what it what it has the effect of doing is taking Han Solo, who's this character in the movies, who's cool and we like him, and he has this suggestion that he has all these cool adventures and this exciting life, 
And then Solo comes out. And Solo is a fun movie, but it's also like, oh, by the way, all that cool stuff he always talks about, it happened in one weekend. <laughs> and, and I think the problem was we didn't need to know because we already knew. Right. Like it was in all the movies. Yeah. I think the difference between Solo and Rogue One was there was a lot that we didn't know about the Rebels. Yeah. That Rogue One helped, you know, build into. Solo, he was so braggadocious anyway. <laughs> and we knew so much about him from all the, the movies that it was like, well, okay, we, we already know at least his his own built-up reputation. That's fine. Yeah. So they didn't have to make a whole movie about it. Yeah. Even though, like, I agree with you. It was entertaining, but it was kind of like, yeah, we know. It, it <laughs> yeah. feels like a movie that they made because they know people would go see a Han Solo movie more than, oh, here's a cool story that we realized we could tell in this universe. Well, it felt like a movie, which was the original basis of this conversation that we're having. It felt like <laughs> Disney said, let's let's add to the franchise and make some more yeah, money. Right. Off of. yep. Yeah. Which <laughs> once they bought once they bought the Star Wars license, they were like, yeah, Star Wars is going to be an annual thing, which is kind of what I wanted to mm-hmm. talk about a little bit here, because uh, one of the things that made Star Wars so special, especially in, in mine and Matt's Matt, in mine and Matt's youth in 1999, when the phantom menace came out is the first star wars movie in almost 20 years and it was just incredible that we were getting new star wars and it obviously storytelling wise it was not the greatest thing since star wars uh but it was it was an event and then two years later we got another one and we we finished out the trilogy within like six years and again not not the greatest thing ever, but it was still a big deal that we had this new Star Wars stuff. There was such a huge ad campaign for it. Uh, Mr. Sunday Movies has an amazing uh, video based around the, the 1999 promotional period, uh, 98 leading into 99 with like all the Pepsi cans and Pepsi product cans. And uh, I had every single like, one of those. I had every single one of those. <laughs> Mr. Sunday Movies actually drank one of those cans in the video after being sealed up for 20 years. And then rest in peace. And then he died. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you got you to remember, I'm a little older. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me, it was, you know, I remember going to the theater to see A New Hope when it was new. And so by the time Phantom Menace rolled around, you know, people in my generation, we were like, great, they're finally picking this up the right way. And then what a lot of people were disappointed about was, well, it was all gloss. It just seemed to be rushed. And a lot of things were kind of like, eh, it just felt like a, a merchandise vehicle, which it ended up being, you know, reputation wise so it was like why did they bother doing this and so that only further fed my <laughs> <Your> franchise <laughs> fatigue <laughs> and and don't get me wrong i liked it i was like yeah that's cool it's a, it's a cool movie i ended up liking um what was the one that everyone seemed to hate not it wasn't Phantom of the Men. clones i liked clones um and there was one more I'll, I'll have to think about it but I didn't hate all of those movies that came out during that time, but I felt they just were like, it was just like, 
Yeah, they're just here so they can, you know, make some money off of them. They were. It worked once know. for Boba Fett, so they might as yeah, well just so make an entire business model off of it. Let's do it again and again and again. So, well, in some of that, it's it's tough because, like, I think that's undeniably true, but in a lot of ways, that's Star Wars, right? Where like Star Wars was the original Star Wars was the first huge toy line, which, you know is different because star wars itself empire strikes back return of the jedi those are like well i'll, I'll counter that with uh planet of the apes but you were oh okay okay then. yeah right okay <laughs> but you know this was a period where like in 1977 they they sold mm-hmm. you would give people vouchers for the action figures for christmas because they were so in demand right I'll tell it to you like this i don't i don't a lot of people don't remember and then uh, this is just you know, it almost skipped your generation too. It used to be a movie would come out first. Yeah. If it was successful, then there was merchandise. Yeah. Then right. everyone ran to the merchandise. No. Nowadays it's promotion, 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 merchandise, 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 hype, 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 viral videos on social media. <laughs> then the movie comes out. Right. See, that, that's yeah. the exact opposite of what it yeah, used to already, be. It used you've to already be, bought your Avengers t-shirt that has all the characters. Yeah, you're, you're already made. decked yeah. out. You're going to the movies in the merchandise. It used to be the merchandise didn't come out until and unless the movie was successful. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. that's why you had all that Star Wars, uh, Star Wars merchandise back in the 70s was because it ended up being a successful movie then all the merchandise came out yeah right okay. now there was some stuff that came out first but it wasn't as uh you know it's not like how it's done now it was very different landscape yeah true. it was before yeah. everyone yeah. realized that you could do a huge multimedia <laughs> push like that and and like right. that's a great point because i i've been seeing uh i mean i have kids who eat happy meals plus me so uh like even back in like december i think mcdonald's had super mario brothers move the movie uh toys in their happy meals almost four months before the movie comes out. Right. I'm seeing Miles Morales uh, in uh, across the Spider-Verse merchandise everywhere right now. And, and I again, still we're... can't get used to it. I am still not used to seeing that model of the merchandise comes out before the movie, you know, and it's been this many years later. Yeah, I'm still right. like, wait, the movie ain't even out yet. I think that's partly because they want to take advantage of the hype machine just in Absolutely. case the movie is bad. Yeah, because now all of a sudden you're stuck with that Jar Jar Banks popsicle that looked like you're French kissing him. <laughs> well, yeah, and like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as far as the merchandise is concerned. It doesn't matter if Ant Man is good or not. But you know, people are excited about it beforehand, so maybe some kids will go and see Ant Man on but the it, shelves and want to buy it. But it really is about the money, though, because yeah. you got to remember for those people to even. You know, there's different, there's all these different companies that make this merchandise. They have to pay a licensing fee to Disney to even make this merchandise. So even if the movie flops, Disney is still getting some coin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even before the movie comes out. Yeah. They get paid on the front end. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then like Disney deserves all this ridicule and uh, shade we're throwing at them. But like there there are other franchises out there doing similar things uh, and trying to emulate uh, one of the bigger uh, offenders, we'll say, is probably Hasbro with a lot of their attempts to try and create a shared universe, specifically in the 
what was it the, like the late 2000s early 2010s where they had the transformers movies and then there was rumors that they were going to try and work in the gi joe franchise into that same universe to build like a hasbro verse and they even made like a battleship movie if i remember if that was hasbro as well and, and uh, it, oh my god the connected universe <laughs> thing is just such a, a pitfall for so many people well here's the thing though hasbro used to be they used to be johnny on the spot you know hasbro with the original transformer toys it was like hasbro was everything but that that's i think that's the problem in general is over time these companies have to figure out you know how do we keep generating revenue and so they keep trying to get ahead of the curb you know keep trying to get ahead of the trend and then they end up being these bad actors if you will sure because i remember when hasbro was it was just well they were the ones that made the the transformer toys no one else was making them and it was like what you know bef I, I if i remember correctly a lot of us really didn't hear of who hasbro actually was until the uh the transformers started getting big in the 80s and it was like oh hasbro wow yeah right. and these toys are awesome you know you have a toy that turns into another toy but even then, you know, I, I was born in 86. And so I missed like a lot of that. Don't say that ever again. While <laughs> I was a junior in high school, by the way. <laughs> I missed, I missed a lot of that, like that, that era, but I was like aware of Transformers as a kid, you know, and those cartoons were, they were commercials. They were there to make you think that these guys were cool to buy the toys. But even then I was like, not aware of Hasbro. Right. It was like, Oh, I want to go by the Transformers where I think now um, for better or worse, something like Disney is much more associated with Marvel, with Star Wars, with whatever else like Disney itself is a brand. And, you know, that was always, I guess, kind of true because Disney has always been a big juggernaut. But I feel like nowadays there is a degree to which the company that owns these intellectual properties or whatever else are as much a brand as the thing they're selling you right where hasbro now is sort of a brand and on top of transformers and gi joe and all the stuff that they try to sell you i think hasbro was just trying to make sure they didn't get snuffed out because with disney buying all these properties hasbro wanted to make sure don't forget <laughs> we're still here and we still own the licensing so and we're not selling it so you still have to acknowledge us and i love that you know even at the end of all those transformer movies even the ones that suck and we can get into that later uh -huh. you still see hasbro yep in the credits mm -hmm. yep so <laughs> which they they have created their own uh their own production company called all spark productions or something like that to try and like hide yeah. the hasbro thing but then once you get to that opening credits uh you see a hasbro production in association right. with, in association with all spark productions and uh i i think it's very generous to say the transformers movies you know some of them suck i <laughs> i mean <laughs> even the tw 2007 one is fun but it's not great um for for many reasons uh key among them being uh michael bay's leering eye you mean blow everything up and kill everything and then make and everything make Megan big Fox and... really shiny and 
wearing as little clothes as possible for a, a, Make a movie. Make sure you kids. go up Megan Two, Fox's butt uh, at least twice. 2007 was a, we were all going through some stuff. We, it was a different time culturally. <laughs> uh, but Matt, you, you did raise a really great point where prior to Disney making a lot of these acquisitions, kind of starting with Pixar, uh, Disney was kind of the franchise and yeah. every new production that they came out with was just like a new line of toys that they were creating, but like it was always Disney. And now it's kind of like Disney's a little fading a little bit to the background where it's more about the IPs than it is about the mouse and sure. uh, the, the castle and everything. Uh, so I, I, I do find that a little interesting that uh, Disney has modified their business model a little bit to be more of a background entity uh, in terms of who is the face of the company, not so much where like during the the Sleeping Beauty era, Little Mermaid era, our era, when we grew up with like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and everything, uh, it was just like it was it was Disney. Yeah, well, Disney like when we were thing. when we were younger, I don't know what it you know I don't remember what it was like if we ever talked about it. What it was like for you as a kid, Josh? But you know, when I was a kid before we even even met, you know, we you would ha- get those VHS tapes in the big puffy plastic cases and those were disney movies you know like they had this distinct style and then you know lots of other companies tried to do that to try to capitalize on that like cachet but in our house they were still yeah this is a a dreamworks movie or whatever but it's a disney movie it's in the big puffy case so like yeah you know it was we're going out to see the new disney movie in this summer the lion king is this year the little mermaid is next year that's not how they came out but you, you get what i mean <laughs> yeah and then pixar kind of came and uh added a little extra flair to that disney stuff but um yeah leo go ahead oh but the way i understand it this was a calculated business plan i mean they they're not stupid they they started pulling the name disney from the forefront because there started to be a bad taste in the public's mouth for the name Disney. So they started pulling back a little bit and they started purposely buying up all these IPs. I mean, for the love of God, Disney owns ABC. Yep. Who yep. saw that coming? <laughs> I mean, really? Um, <laughs> the American broadcasting. That, was, yeah. that happened in the nineties. Um, I remember they had like the wonderful world of Disney. They had like a good partnership. Every sitcom, every sitcom. It did used a, to be Disney, to Disney was trying to get their programs on these national networks. And now they're buying national networks yeah. and owning them. So this was a, this was a, uh, a calculated. And I will say a very smart business move to start yeah. saying, we don't have to have our name in the forefront. To, you know, to still be the ones that actually own all these properties. I mean, the Disney, you talk about a franchise juggernaut. Yep. Disney is just running the gamut on everyone. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think in terms of the modern, modern Disney, and I'm, you know, I'm not an expert here. I'm just someone who has noticed how this has happened. You know, in the nineties, a new Disney movie comes out. It's the biggest hit of the year. And then as time went on into like the 2000s those like traditionally animated movies kind of started to fall off a bit partially because a couple of them they did they made were not very good (laughs) but you know i you know pixar started to come out and those kept hitting so i think there's a period where disney is like what what are we because the thing that we've made our bread and butter on for the last two decades is not working anymore 
what are we going to do? Being an animation studio. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's actually, um, I, I know we're focusing really heavily on Disney with this, but I mean, they they own practically it's, everything. Yeah, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard not to. And like so many of the big franchises that I think that are in the conversation right now about fatigue are happen to be Disney. Not all of them, but a lot of them are owned by Disney. And we are going to transition a little bit into uh, another conversation about studios kind of forcing things into IPs. Uh, but I, I did want to bring up the fact that uh, with Disney, th- they weren't really well known for a lot of their live action stuff. I know they they did have some things like Escape to Witch Mountain and Chitty uh, Chitty Bang Trap. Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, um, <laughs> um, which Mary Poppins. <sighs> Yeah, they they had a really good track record for some live action stuff. They even in the weird follow up to when Batman 89 came out and like studios didn't think, oh, comic book movies are the thing. Pulp uh, comics from the 40s are the thing. Uh, So they like studios just bought like Dick Tracy and the Rocketeer and even the Rocketeer is still really good. But Disney made a weird transition where they were like, let's start remaking our animated features with like 101 Dalmatians starring Jeff Daniels and uh, um, Glenn Close. Glenn Close. And uh, let's also start making movies based off of our rides as like some weird advertising campaign for Disney World and Disneyland. And they they struck gold, uh, no pun intended, with Pirates of the Caribbean. Amazingly fun movie that has no right to be as fun and good as it is. And And then they just... And I'm sorry, I just want to interject real quick because the conversation I thought we were going to have tonight, the Pirates of the uh, Caribbean series is another one of those. uh, There's an exception to every rule for me, but go ahead. Oh, man, I'm the exact (laughs) opposite. That's the only one of those movies that's any good for me. (laughs) I I think the fourth one is what the second one should have been, but it's still not very good either. It it still kind of misses the point, but the, the... Two and three. I love and every one of those movies, <laughs> and I can I can see where people enjoy them. I really do. But man, those movies missed for me big time. And I also have some bad memories about previous relationships that Matt's aware of um, with those movies. Oh, oh, it's personal. Okay. <laughs> some of that too. Yeah, those movies came out. You know, I know we're getting off on we're we're really focusing on a lot of stuff tonight, and also getting off on a lot of tangents. <laughs> Those movies came out in a time when like Josh and I were in like high school and just after where it was like, it's Saturday, we're going to the movies, we're going to see whatever. Uh, I see I see you like wiping the face. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to remind you how young we are. <laughs> um, if, if you want to feel younger, Leo, I was... I was born when you were a sophomore. Just, so okay. just keep Matt, continue. Please just finish this story, please. Well, I remember we went like, I think Josh is the one who convinced me like, oh, this movie Pirates of the Caribbean. I think this is when you were in your, your Johnny Depp in my... appreciation phase, which. Yes. I grew out we... the goatee. Yeah. I had, a, I had a black car that was a convertible that uh, your neighbor, Stephanie yep. uh, ended up dubbing the black pearl for me. Yep. In retrospect, none of us could have known how regrettable that ended up being. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I was like, ah, I don't know, that that looks silly. Let's not see it. And then we saw it, and I was like, oh, that was that was great. And then a couple of years later, I think it was the same situation. We were all still living in town, and we saw the second and third movies, and they came out, and I was like, uh, those are not very good. <laughs> well, I'll give you my Pirates of the Caribbean history. <laughs> so when I saw the first one, um, I was already watching some movies and shows with my sons at the time, and we kind of exhausted everything. Yeah. And uh, 
And my youngest boy, especially, was really into Star Wars. He still is to this day. And at the time, we were just, we ran out of stuff to watch. And then Pirates of the Caribbean came out. And we saw it. And we all loved it. Yeah. And so, you know, I really did love that movie. But then for my kids to love it, too, is a big, you know, that's a big bonus. So when the next one came out, I was hyped for it. And I was like, oh, we need to see the next one. <laughs> Again, I loved it. I thought Davy Jones, man. I mean, it's it just everything about the, the this whole little series. Yeah, it's fun silliness. Yeah, right. I get it. But it, it's also a pretty, you know, I thought the storylines were pretty great, you know, pretty good. And even as deep as the storylines got at certain points, my kids could still follow it. Sure. So again, yeah. another bonus. So as the next ones come out, you know, they were, again, I will say they're not the best movies. They're not Shakespeare. <laughs> hey, man, I will you tell you that. Love what you Dude. love. You know, I'm not <laughs> yeah, trying to tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought they were great movies. I thought Johnny, you know, Johnny Depp was perfectly cast <laughs> as Jack Sparrow. No one else could ever do Jack Sparrow ever again, as far yeah, as yeah, and, and not to like praise the <laughs> praise Johnny Depp 20 years later, uh, given his yeah. current standings. But like, apparently, that was him going rogue too. Like, the studio lot, did not yeah. want him to do the the Keith Richards thing, hmm. and he's just like, I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm dude. He's every drunk. Time they, <laughs> he's drunk. Every and time stupid, they asked but him, but he's the to, smartest like, one there. <laughs> Like every time they asked him to uh, like take off a tattoo or something, he would like add a cap to his grin. <laughs> and so like, okay, let's, we'll find an equilibrium. Um, and I, and like, I would think if I would get down to the brass tacks of it all, it was just, it's just those grim pirate stories that sound so absolutely ridiculous. If you heard them from old school pirates, but what if those stories were true? And that's all pirates of the Caribbean is. It's yeah. like, what if those stories were actually true? Oh yeah. Yeah, and the movie there is fun to be had in a lot of those movies, but there there is franchise fatigue as well. When especially when you move Jack into the lead role instead of the a a supporting role from uh, Will and uh, Elizabeth, Um, I think what it got really ridiculous for me was when he died. That whole the being with the 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 crabs and all that and blah blah blah. Okay, that and that dragged out far too long. But I was able yeah. to forgive that after a while. Once they once you know once they got past it, like right. the guy spent too much money on that whole <laughs> section of that movie. <laughs> Everyone loves Jack Sparrow. Let's throw thirty of them into one scene. Yeah, that was too ridiculous. But let's talk about you know when I was thinking about us getting together talking about this about franchise fatigue. Uh, fatigue. I was thinking. What got me to this point anyway? Because, you know, I talk to people about this all the time. I hate sequels. That that's I think that's how we started this conversation, Josh. Yep, yep. I was like, man, sequels are just so dumb to me. I hate when they just keep making sequels, making sequels. But obviously, I don't hate all sequels. Otherwise, how could I possibly love all the Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> so I started thinking, you know, what made me this way to begin with? And, um, you know, lately I've been doing a lot of... Uh, mindfulness meditation which you know helps me focus on thinking about my thoughts and recognizing thoughts and what they are so how did i get to the point where i started saying man sequels suck i hate when they make a bunch of movies so i was thinking back to movies i've seen 
and what would have gotten me to this point? And so I, I narrowed it down to a couple of them. And I think it's going to be either Rocky or mm. Friday the 13th. Mm. And so to explain this, I still remember when the first Rocky came out. I still remember going to the theater to see it. And it was one, it was a great movie. I'm like, man, that was amazing. You know, I remember that whole, you know, how when a blockbuster movie happens and then the, there's the whole air and the society about, you know, how, you know, and it kind of reflects the movie. You know, everyone's a champion. Everyone thinks about being an underdog and coming right. back. It was like, oh, man, that was great. Great movie. Great movie. Well, I think, you know, then they, they, then they were talking about making another one. They were going to make Rocky Part 2. And I think a lot of people forgot what happened at the end of Rocky, what Apollo Creed said to Rocky. He said, you got to give me a rematch. Of course, Rocky said, no, there ain't going to be no rematch. But then we know what happens, right? Okay, so they made Rocky 2. So it made sense. Seeing Rocky 2 made sense. Then they made a third one. Then it was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> now what's he doing? Well, it's the same movie. Once again, it's the same story, this time with a Russian. Okay, <laughs> same story. He gets beat up, but he comes back and wins, right? Rocky Four. What happens? He gets well, beat that, up and comes back and wins again. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing over there, right? Dumbfounded. Like, <laughs> and I'm you. like, oh my gosh, why do they do this? Well, was, so it, the, wasn't it Rocky? Was it Rocky Three or Rocky Four where he had the robot? That's where the difference is. <laughs> oh, it's a robot. <laughs> So then, then I was thinking Rocky, about uh, the one with um, uh, Drago. He Drago's training with a robot. So, you know, like there, there's differences mixing there. Them up. But it's the <laughs> same story. And then I was thinking about, OK, well, because I love horror movies. I and, and really, I think a lot of it came from my hatred of uh, franchises come from my love of horror because I love a good horror story. But then when movies. they take a good horror story and then they make these sequels, yeah, they the end ground. up making them trash. Yeah. And Friday the 13th, in my opinion, is the first, you know, is a primary example of that. The first Friday the 13th was great. You know, the story was great. It was twisted. Come to find out it was because this kid and his mom and the camp and blah, blah, blah. And it was just this dude. And he came back for revenge, basically. It's a revenge story. If you look at the, mm -hmm. the basis of Friday the 13th, it's just basically a revenge story. <sighs> then they made another one. <laughs> <laughs> and another one and another one. And then they married them to Freddy, which I love the first Friday the 13th. And then they made too many of the... Or, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Then they made too many of those. Then they married them to Friday the 13th. And then there's Jason and Freddy in outer space and whatever. Then yeah. they married them to Predator. <laughs> yep why yeah <laughs> horror, like, horror movies might be the patient zero of any anything we're talking about <laughs> or any for horror franchise. it just becomes so ridiculous so then i try to think well you know everyone always says yeah i know it's stupid but it's just fun am i not fun <laughs> <laughs> am i not a fun person because i don't see what's fun in that that's what's a question that's the... a question for your your priest or your doctor i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Because I love some fun, stupid movies, but when it comes to these sequels upon sequel upon sequel upon sequel, yeah, they just get they just get too ridiculous. Yeah, is my problem. 
I get it. And I think that's that's a great segue into what uh, I I really wanted to talk about today, which is the this trend of studios needing to work scripts or IPs into scripts because we we have heard through the grapevine and other places and outlets that someone might have brought a, a really good script to a studio, so let's say all spark studios uh, or uh, paramount who is the owner of uh, Hasbro, or I believe they have like a partnership. Um, and they said, Oh, that's a great script. Can we put transformers in there? You're like, how, how do you expect me to have this story of a medieval knight who knows Merlin and needs to save a dragon? How are we supposed to fit that into a transformers movie? Like we'll figure it out. <laughs> Like it's Michael Bay. He knows what he's doing. Well, first of all, he'll blow everything up. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be castles on fire and exploding. Uh, and like sounds, there, there's no, that there's rad, no, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's essentially the fifth Transformers movie. I don't, oh, I should there's no, proof, <laughs> there's, there's no proof of uh, that being an original script that they just worked into a Transformers movie. But if you watch it, it is very much that like, it, it's a story about a girl or a woman who is like the descendant of Merlin and she has to discover the beauty of magic and save the world from an existential crisis. Uh, and then robots. Michael Bay and they throw in <laughs> robots to work some transformer storyline into that. Like it's, it's a nearly three hour movie that they could have just literally split apart and had two 90 minute movies. Why? That's what I always ask. Why, <laughs> why? why would you do this? I don't, there's a degree to which I don't think this is new or recent in terms of like the past like few decades, right? Where I don't think it's a secret that if you put something out that has brand recognition, it'll sell, right? Like it's a, you know, you put it's a guaranteed merchandise seller at the very yeah, least. You put Spider-Man in, some right. people know who Spider-Man is. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also think like, especially in the last, let's say, I don't know, 10 years as like, and you know, I, I am someone who likes a lot of Marvel stuff. I, I enjoy all that. I'm a, I'm a comic book guy going from way back. So I watch all those movies, but I think when Marvel hits and it really starts to hit when like, you know, Iron Man comes out and it's a big hit. And then those movies keep coming out and then they're like, okay, this Avengers thing is going to happen. I think, and maybe it's not, maybe there's more to it than that, but it feels like around that time is when a lot of studios really start playing it safe, really safe, or like everything's got to be a franchise, right? And then that continues. And like in more recent years, we've got trends of, you know, shows, movies, getting sequels 20 years later. Um, so I think there's just a real sense right now for whatever reason studios are just being really conservative about oh well you know the, we need to make a lot of money and the way you make a lot of money is you shove something in there that people know about or you know we make a movie there's that, nostalgia for it there's, yeah we make a movie that's t tied to a brand basically play it safe with what we know already works yeah 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 exactly yep. and i think yep. i think and marvel and to a lesser degree star wars just because star wars has had less theatrical output um not for lack of trying in the last 10 years sure yeah um <laughs> has a lot to do with that just because for, you know for a while everyone was trying to make a, make their own marvel like you know a few years ago 
Sony's the, still trying to do that. We have a, a Craven movie coming but out. Yeah, but even even with stuff like Universal trying mm. to make tie all their monsters together in a, in a universe for a while. Um, oh yeah, the so Dark the, Universe. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I think there's <laughs> just like for in a couple of ways, Marvel is a watershed moment in a lot of where studios are like, that's what we need. So like lots of franchises and tie them together if you can. And God help DC. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Please. Well, and like we were talking about Fast and Furious earlier. You know, that that's a franchise that comes out and that the you know, the first movie is well received, the second movie less so because partially because Ben Diesel's not in it. And then everyone I haven't seen the third one, everyone hates it, from what I understand, or did at the time. And then a few years later they come back as just like a bombastic over the top action movie. Yeah. And they just keep escalating from there. And I don't know how that maps to say where Marvel was at at that time, but it, you know, and that's, that's. It appealed to a wide enough audience that it made money. I think fast and furious eight made over a billion dollars. I think fast and furious seven made over a billion. Yeah. And it's, and it's a bit different. I will, even though I've knocked fast and furious, I will give them props for, they knew exactly how to zero in on that. They, they knew how to target their audience because there is a specific demographic that repeatedly goes and sees those movies. Yeah. I'm oh, not yeah. that demographic. <laughs> I'm not even interested. I I've saw, like I said, I saw the first one and I think I watched half of the second one and I was done. <laughs> And then I'm like, I, 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 all I have to see is the commercials. I know I don't need to go see these movies anymore, but they, but they, they, they're successful because they, they, they targeted their demographic yeah. and they're good at it. And in a lot of ways, Fast and Furious is almost like a, um, kind of a modest example of this, right? Where like, I think they've had one, maybe two spinoff movies that are like, here's characters doing their own thing. It's not Fast and Furious. It's a different movie. There are. Yeah, there's, uh, there's yeah. the Tokyo Drift, which is the oh, I think Tokyo it has Drift. been like yeah, yeah. it's been retconned as a third one, and then they did uh they did <laughs> well, Hobbs right and Shaw here. with The Rock and Jason Statham, which I think that bombed. So they're bringing uh, Jason Statham back into this one, or uh, maybe it's just that that uh that relationship between Vin Diesel and The Rock just soured so badly that Vin was gotcha. like yeah, can't even let him have it. But either way, like it's you know for the most part, it's one series of ten movies, right? So that's a lot of movies and that's a thing you would, I never would have thought in 2001 when I saw fast, the fast and the furious um, and thought it was okay. But, you know, as opposed to something like star Wars or Marvel, which again, we're harping on Disney a lot, but I think that when people talk about franchise fatigue, those are like the things they go to because they're the biggest, you know, you have these just interlocking parts that everyone feels like they have to keep up with as opposed to, yeah, I'll see Fast 10 because it's the one movie, you know, the last one came out three years ago. I'm not having to watch, you know, Hobbs Origins on Paramount Plus. Or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, another another franchise of movies that I can't help but mention is Rambo. Sure. I mean, I, I'm from the Rambo era and it's like I remember when First Blood came out. And I was like, man, this is a great movie. Awesome. Very good movie. That was, I think it got uh, Stallone another uh, screenwriting nomination, if I yeah, recall. But then Rambo came out, Rambo 2. And I remember a lot of people didn't even know. I remember people not even knowing that First Blood even existed. 
And they were wondering, well, why is this called Rambo 2? And then they just went from there. And then it was just ridiculousness. Just after ridiculous <laughs> you know? action movie where a guy decides to yeah. go back to Vietnam and re rewin the war for the U.S. And they and it became a joke. It even became a joke. But yet, apparently, they were still moderately successful because people kept going to see them. But I'm like, this is just garbage. And it's it's franchise garbage. <laughs> There's also a period where. You know, this might be something that you that you and I would remember more, Josh, but in the 90s and like the late 80s, there was a Rambo cartoon. There was a RoboCop cartoon. There was a Toxic Avenger cartoon. cartoon. <laughs> like movies where that are not for kids, but I guess were popular enough, or someone looked at that character enough and went, "Oh, I can make, I can make toys of that guy. Like I can make like Absolutely. RoboCop. RoboCop is yeah. a guy that you can make toys out of. So you have to make it appeal appeal to kids. So then you have the the movie about the war traumatized Vietnam vet." <laughs> becomes a saturday morning cartoon but that has almost no bearing on what that movie was about i remember remember that era of when they (laughs) kept trying to make everything okay this is the movie the movie the movie but let's also make it for kids yep yep yeah i remember that time too yeah i remember just before there was that i i can't remember if it was it had to have been federal but uh the government like put out uh, uh some kind of law restricting uh, studios from being able to advertise R-rated movies towards kids, and like just before that passed into law, Kenner just pushed out a shit ton of Aliens merchandise, yep. and I thought that was the yeah. coolest thing ever. <laughs> and then my cousin showed me Aliens, and I was just like, "Holy cow, this is violent!" But I also grew up on RoboCop, <laughs> right. so like, I it was a really weird thing for me to be like, "Oh, RoboCop, this is fine." <laughs> and even my mom was like, "Oh yeah, RoboCop, whatever." And then aliens, my mom was like, no, no, you can't watch this because <laughs> well, she, because I, a woman says bitch at one point to an alien. Like that was my mom's <laughs> big sticking point, not the F-bombs and not the violence. Well, I remember it started because, you know, we we went from Saturday morning cartoons to after school cartoons and they were just showing any and all commercials at any time of day. Yep. So it all started with, no, you can't show commercials for adult movies quote-unquote adult movies right right after school when people are when you know when kids are home watching after school programming so that's how that all started yeah and then (laughs) you uh, can't show robocop during (laughs) ducktales on the other side of the uh the action hero coin um matt and i we we saw the fall of the terminator franchise in in almost real time that came out the same year as uh pirates of the caribbean uh curse of the black pearl I remember uh, I skipped school one day and did a double feature and saw, or no, that was during the summer. So it wouldn't have been, I just, I think maybe Matt was working or something. And I just went to the theaters on my own, did a double feature, saw uh, Terminator. What was the third one? Rise of the machines. And then curse of the black pearl right after. And I just remember like hating Terminator three and uh, Mm -hmm. to to what you had said, Leo, where uh, it had just become like a parody of itself and Arnold's walking around in like bedazzled glasses from a, a strip club that he broke into and doing a talk to the hand. And talk to the hand. <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the parody that these movies become so quickly and it, to your point about horror movies, like they become self parodying at some point because they have nothing else to give. 
and because they've run every other storyline to the ground. Like how many times can you tell the story of a guy who breaks into kids' dreams and kills them in their dreams? I mean, Michael Myers back to Friday the 13th. He was just a dude. <laughs> it was just some guy. Michael Myers I, was a uh, Halloween. Jason. I mean, Borges. Halloween. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was just some guy who was going on a vengeful killing spree. It's a slasher movie. Okay. Scary. Whatever. If you want, I've never been scared of slashers. Really. I mean, if you come at me with a knife, it's not going to end well for you. But anyway, <laughs> that's what it was. Right. <laughs> and it was, it was scary to some people, but then it just went too far. <laughs> it became yeah. part of like he was, it was a mystical thing with him, even though it originally was just like Laurie Strode's maybe brother uh, who was just like out for revenge one night. And uh, it just, it went to a point where it just made no sense at all. And they didn't care about continuity. They just cared about telling a story, which maybe that's one of those things where they kept getting a script and like, Oh, this would make a good Halloween script. We can How much money can we money. make off of it? Well, this <laughs> yeah, is exactly. something, you know, this, I think something that it is that kind of dovetails into a lot of what we've been talking about and is also an example of something where this has been going on for forever, right? Is almost literally every single Die Hard movie, right? Where, mm. you know, if I remembering, if I'm remembering this specifically correctly, Die Hard is originally, it's adapted from like a, a book or something, right? Yeah, um, and I think yeah. Yeah. almost every successive sequel, well, the, the second and third ones, are other movie scripts for action movies that they were like, "Oh, we should make this a Die Hard movie because we mm, can kind of squint right. yeah. and see it." And I think that changes once they come back for four and five years later, where they're like, "This is just a bombastic action movie that we decided to put Bruce Willis in." Mm -hmm. um, but you know, that's an example of we have this really popular movie, we want to do a sequel of it. Someone's got a, uh, a script that's adapting a different kind of movie. Oh, let's make that a sequel, even though that's not what the script is. That's not what they're going for. Um, and, you know, that doesn't mean it's a bad movie necessarily, but, and, you know, I've, I don't think I've actually ever seen Die Hard 2, so maybe that, maybe it is a bad movie. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> it's just an example of, hey, studio is going to go where they think the money's going to be made. And I think a, a quintessential example of that is Halloween three season of the witch. Amazing movie. It's a great movie, but guess what? It flopped horribly. Yeah. Why? Because it had nothing to do with the Halloween franchise. Well, yeah, Cause they originally are like, this should be, yeah, it's, it's not Halloween. It's, it's about not a the franchise. Mass. Yeah. It's but about they threw. Sorry. Go ahead. They threw the Halloween franchise tag on there hoping to just capitalize on that. It's a great movie. It's a great script. It's a great story, but it had nothing to do with the rest of the Halloween franchise. Sure. So a lot of people went and they were like, wait a minute. This has nothing to do with Mike. Mike. <laughs> what is going on? He wasn't even in it. He wasn't even mentioned, had nothing to do with him at all, had nothing to do with that story at all. But like you said, it was, I think it was a bunch of studio executives said, yeah, this is a great movie, but let's market it to Halloween. Yeah. So we can capitalize on that. Because Halloween can be a brand that is, you know, it's not right. it's not the attack of Michael Myers, it's Halloween. So you can just do exactly. a different kind of movie under that umbrella. And you know, they tried it, didn't work, so they go back to Michael Myers. And a quick uh unpopular opinion I've learned over the years, uh, 
I don't believe that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I just wanted to throw <laughs> Thank that in you. There. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I'm right there with you. That's not a Christmas it's a movie, movie that either. takes place at Christmas. That's a there's a exactly. difference. <laughs> that, but that doesn't make it a Christmas. Yeah, there's a right? difference. There's exactly. a distinction. <laughs> it's a. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's a good movie. I like oh, yeah. Die Hard. I like the first Die Hard. I really like that movie. But I, it's not a Christmas movie. <laughs> no, definitely not. And on that moment of agreement, uh, we could talk about this subject all night. But we've all got places to be. Matt's got a baby that's probably crying somewhere. Um, <laughs> hopefully in his house. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I think I think something that I'm coming away with, and it's a very different conversation that I expected to have tonight, which is great. We've been running franchises into the ground since the dawn of time. <laughs> yep. John Carter <laughs> of Mars is a great one. He, it didn't even get a franchise until, what, 2012? And even then, because that was supposed to be like the first original or first feature length animated movie. Warner Brothers was trying to beat Disney to getting a, a feature length animated movie out. And they were going to adapt John Carter of Mars and they couldn't figure out how to adapt it. And it took almost 100 years to yeah, adapt right. that <laughs> franchise. And they still ran it to the ground. It's, it's And then I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's, did it's, you did you even like the movie? <laughs> <laughs> what did, did anybody <laughs> I don't think John Carter, I, I watched it for the first time in my in-laws RV while we were touring the country. <laughs> hmm. uh, and uh, I thought Not it was the ideal fine. way to watch it. I didn't, or maybe the yeah, ideal on way a to tablet watch it. And, on a tablet with the kids running around screaming while you're getting a little car sick. Yeah, it's a great time. <laughs> um, I thought it was fine. I thought it was ex- extraordinarily average. Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, I, I know I'm trying to wrap up here, but uh, I just remembered um, going back to the, the Fast and the Furious franchise. Leo, you made a great point about how they know what they are and people seem to enjoy it and they keep hitting those points that people want to see with them and it just keeps being successful for them. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with Mario. I don't know if either of you have seen the Mario movie. Yet, um, no. it, to me, it's Not very yet. it's very average. It's fun if you obviously most of us have played mario grown up on mario um if not all of us here but it it hits those mario points and i think that's where people are loving it is it's hitting that nostalgia factor but if you look at it for as a cinematic movie telling a story it's a nothing burger it's very it, it does what it needs to do and it's fine but without it being a mario movie and all the mario uh sprinkles spattered on top it's just a vanilla cupcake that tastes like vanilla and it's going to You're the second sequels. movie reviewer who I respect, who has said the exact same thing. And it's going to spawn thirty verbatim. Yeah, it's going to, yeah, it's it's going going to spawn. Be... It's going to get at least two sequels and I doubt make it. a bunch of memes. It's made like four hundred million dollars at this point. It's it's, it's a huge. It's hit. the biggest group opening for a feature. I, I think that's another movie. conversation we need to have. <laughs> these uh, these opening weekend numbers, I think, are not. I don't think those matter anymore. No, no th- so? without taking inflation into account and everything. Yeah. Plus, you have a lot of extra markers with like. Uh, how many 3D showings were there? And how many IMAX? Yeah, what's were the there? long run? What's your long run? Sure, you made four hundred million dollars the first opening weekend, and then what happens after that? Sure. What about subs- uh, subsequent weekends, months, years? Mm-hmm. No one sees it after that. So you make all your money up front, and see, to me, that's not mm, that's not successful. That's a good point because well, we just we just watched a man in have a have a mental breakdown in real time when his movie shazam 2 <laughs> came out and had a massive decline in the second and third weekends and yeah. zachary levi star of that movie i haven't seen it maybe it's good i don't know 
It's uh, absolutely, okay. It's, it's, it's okay. okay. It's, yeah. okay. It's, it's uh, this this man, Chuck from TV's Chuck, <laughs> just kept no, no did not have anyone who loves him enough to take his phone away. So he just keeps getting on what where is video. It, where is Ivan Strahovski when he needs her? Yeah, keeps getting on video and begging people, begging people to see his movie. No one saw. But this is that weekend. the new model for movies though? Because okay, we know everyone you know was anticipating Avatar two, right? Had a huge opening weekend, right? How's it doing now? Uh, it's made over two billion dollars globally. <laughs> okay, okay. So, like, by the time we wrap up this weekend, what will it be? That's what I'm saying. What's right. the what's the what's, ongoing? Yeah. What's what's the yeah. long well, tail? Well, Avatar. Yeah. James Cameron knows how to knows how and when oh, to release James a movie. James Cameron is the Jesus of movies. <laughs> so let's just go I, ahead and call it. I, I'm not saying that. Like I, I haven't seen Avatar two yet as of this recording. I um, haven't either. My but my, like, my, my son watched it. He was like, "Oh, it's great." My daughter saw it. They were like, "Yeah, it's great. It's great." Now I have a bit of a, of, of a confession. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. When the first Avatar came out, there was so much hype. I was like, "Yeah, I'll go. I'll see it. I'll see it." I saw it at home like i i got the rental when it came out the way james and cameron I, intended and i was like uh i stopped it i was like i'll, I'll get back to this and never i did. never did until last year because it just it was good but i was like it's okay it, i thought it was kind of boring especially towards the middle sure and there was all this hype about it. i was like yeah it's great it's beautiful it's a pretty movie yeah I'll that's, give it all that's that. the point but the story I thought was, <laughs> I, it just didn't hold my interest. Avatar so is a I great, sorry, keep, go, go ahead and cut you off. No, you go, go ahead. Go I ahead. was going to say Avatar is a great example of, of, I, of, of a series where I feel exactly the, your philosophy about it, where like that movie came out. I saw it in theaters. It was like, it's a beautiful set piece, wonderful showcase. Mm -hmm. And I forgot about it. And I feel like that was the, that was the consensus on that movie for a decade and yeah. then Avatar 2 comes out and everyone's like, this is such a beautiful, touching movie. And it's like, it's saving cinema. And I was like, motherfucker, two years ago, you couldn't even tell me <laughs> Jake Sully's name. <laughs> right, right. And now they're saying it's the movie. It's the uh, sequel everyone's been waiting for. Yeah. I, yeah. I watched that movie and I heard that sequel was coming out and I was like, I don't need to see that. I saw that already. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled a Leo Allen. It's a lot from what I've heard. It, it is a lot of the same stuff. They, they add some tweaks to it, but it is, it does touch on a lot of the same stuff just by uh, changing focus from Jake to his kids. So like, instead of Jake learning the way of the Navi, it's his kids learning the way of the water tribe. And uh, I mean, and there'll it, be three more of them, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he got, he got the, <laughs> he got the money. Yeah, he get, made the money again. Yep. Everyone's, the Jesus of movie production. <laughs> Everyone's favorite character, Jake Selling. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'll give you know, I give Cameron his props. Yeah, yeah, he I'm, knows how to make money. He knows when yeah, to release his uh, movies, and they had. Well, to and have I mean, you know, I haven't seen Avatar two. I can't talk too much shit about it. Except I, I have no interest. It's not like the man can't make a good movie, right? <laughs> yeah, true that Terminator two. Yep. 
we, we have a really great episode where uh, Alex and Justin talk about James Cameron's filmography and just a lot of stuff. So if, if you haven't listened to that, that one came out. Uh, that is also our Avatar 2 review episode, I believe. So go back to if like I December. To you're not talking to me, are you? Yeah, you're talking I'm to talking to our listeners. The, the obviously, listeners. You have, okay, thank you, yeah. obviously you have, Leo. You're our, you're like our one person in Ohio that listens to us. Yeah, maybe I should listen I'm to I'm that it. blip on the map. Yes, I listen religiously. Yeah, I mean, so. yeah, if you have someone in Wisconsin who listens, it's not me. Say that <laughs> well that's because you live in minnesota matt like what are you throwing wisconsin out there no <laughs> eh, wisconsin minnesota the same difference right? <laughs> when i was in high school and i was trying to be edgy and funny i had a really bad joke where it's like what's the difference between a canadian and a minnesota in minnesota they say don't chano and in canada they say a yeah, it really killed. He was very popular. <laughs> it was real good. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Leo. <laughs> With that horrible, horrible joke and admission of my stupid youth, uh, let's let's get out of here. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore Scar. You can follow the podcast at Talking Smack Pod. Matt, please tell everyone about our Discord and how wonderful it is. Our Discord rules. If you like what happened here tonight, which is mostly me, just stream of consciousness, unhinged rants. If you want to see that in text form, almost exclusively, join our Discord. It's happening all the time. <laughs> Literally anything. You give me any kind of prompt, paragraphs of just whatever I'm thinking. Um, it's, a, it's a fun time and we could use more people. So come on over. And uh, this is this is nice because you are here. Thank you to Leo Allen for our musical themes. Uh, thank you to Beppo for our original avatars. Thank you to Retro Oil Studios for our Ricky avatar. Please like, subscribe, rate, review on your podcatcher of choice. Leo, please tell everyone where they can find you if you would care to share your socials. I can edit if needed. Well, I tell you what, I don't really, I'm not really active as much on social media. Um, is Twitter still alive? What's going Barely. on? It's technically, they, technically still breathing. Support? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I heard PBS left, NPR left because yep. he pissed them off. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I'm not really, I'm not even there at all anymore, but I tell you what, you can still catch, uh, if you never checked out voluntary input, it's still out there. You can still catch voluntary input, the podcast. You can still go to the YouTube channel and catch all the videos and Hey, who knows what the future holds? Ooh. You never know. There may be some things in the works. Um, that sounds like a perfect you know, sequel tease. <laughs> <laughs> the franchise continues. <laughs> oh, that's a great nickname for you, Leo. The franchise. You know, I'm always trying to, you know, I still try to stay creatively active. Um, I do have, you know, before I was doing podcasting, before I was doing a lot of things, I was always active in music. If you go to YouTube and search profound simplicity if you go to uh youtube.com at profound simplicity you can find some of the new music i've been uh composing then throwing out there a lot of it is just some you know me making some creative mental releases let's put it that way there's a few videos i've put together there and a lot of music so there's that so that's that's me for now <laughs> how about that <laughs> well we'll put links in the episode description as well so people can find it but again leo thank you so much for having been here this has been a blast i'm glad we could uh bring you out of your podcasting hiatus <laughs> <laughs> thanks and, for uh, having me josh it was been great this was great yeah it was fun 
Matt, thank you for taking the time. And everyone, thank you again for taking the time to listen to this. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And maybe we'll have a sequel. Who knows? Uh, Who we'll knows? Bring, I would love to have Leo back. He, he is a great talk. And again, check out Voluntary Input because Leo is one of my favorite interviewers out there. He gets some great stories. But with that, thanks again for listening and take care. Watch Star Trek so they can make a sequel. Watch Picard. <laughs> Season three is pretty good, I'll say that. I like Lower Decks. Boo. My man said he was going to make some enemies, and he did it. He did it in the, in the home stretch. Listen, we, we love Leo. Don't listen to him, though. Watch Star Trek. Watch Lower Decks. I made Matt have a stroke. <laughs> Who loves T-Smack? I love T-Smack. Is it true? Mm-hmm. I do, I do. Ooh.